welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. I don't know about you, but I want to hear some mom moments. You know what I just thought of? We should make our mom moments of this. Do you have any mom moments that are period-centric with your kids? I know, not that they have periods, but like... No. <laughs> but I do. Yes, I... <laughs> I Maybe they're a little TMI. I don't care. No, no, I think it's probably fine. Um, I... <laughs> I'm just trying to think like if there's something with Emma, like we've talked about it a little bit, but like not in a, um, I don't know, not in a way that produced anything funny. But what I can say is maybe a month or so ago, <laughs> I had gotten my period and I was in, I was in the bathroom and I get no, I get no privacy in the bathroom. Oh, no. Like who could ever hope for privacy in a house with three people in it or three children in it? And I very foolishly did not lock the door behind me. It's the only bathroom in our house that has a locking door. And I don't know why that morning I decided not to even bother. And Liam comes in and he is like currently obsessed with helping me wipe. He's like, oh, I'm like, no, 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 no. Because he's so proud that he can do it for himself. Yeah. And he's just like, I want to help. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't help mommy. Right. No, this is like a, a private time thing. But he came in and was like, I help you. And he like goes and gets some toilet paper. And then like he his eye catches the toilet bowl and he's like, Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. Mine is a very similar story. <laughs> I'm just like, it's so it's everything's fine. And he was like, What wrong? Everything's fine. <laughs> I know they think you're dying. <laughs> yeah, he was very confused, and I was like, "Oh man, I don't have like we were late for school. I was like, I don't have time to explain this to you right now. We just yeah. we have to go. We just gotta <laughs> go. We gotta go." And then he forgot about it. It was fine. <laughs> so mine is very similar with Rini that no privacy in the bathroom. She follows me in every time, and normally I don't mind. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But I was in this particular time. I had to take out my tampon. And she, I, she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm taking out my tampon. And she was like, tampon, tampon, what's a tampon? And I was like, oh, well, it's something mommy uses because she has her period. And, and, you know, I can't explain all this to a three-year-old. Like, what am I going to yeah. say? Yeah. So like, same kind of thing where she sees that it's red and she's like, mommy, you're bleeding. Are you okay? And I say, I'm fine. And, you know, I explain it the best I can. But now she's learned a new word. So the next morning when she wakes up, the first thing she says to me is, Mommy, did you take out your tampon? And I said, yesterday, yeah. And she was like, are you okay now? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. So now she's like, that's like the, the word in her head. She's like, tampon, tampon. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> when they hear a new oh. word, they want to use it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah so. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Why don't you give us this update that is notable and that we want to make sure we we update all of our guests on? Yes. So I am thrilled to tell everybody an update from our Incline Sleeper a Rock and Play episode. I think we talked about how this legislation was like in the works maybe mm -hmm. a few months ago. We had updated you, but officially now, 
uh, President Biden has signed the Safe Sleep for Babies Act of 2021. He did this on Monday. And finally, it completely outlaws any inclined sleepers that have an incline of more than 10%. And it also bans the sale of crib bumpers, which is huge. All crib bumpers except mesh. I think you can still buy mesh crib bumpers, but Mm -hmm. otherwise you cannot buy any crib bumpers and you cannot buy any sleep product, or I guess you can't even market any sleep product that is uh, above a 10% incline. Interesting. Yeah. The bumpers thing is like especially interesting to me because like we got, we got bumpers. I mean, my mother-in-law made us beautiful handmade, like quilted bumpers gorgeous we obviously were too terrified to use them until the kids were much older like i think when they turned two we we put the bumpers on the crib just for like the aesthetic yeah and and at that point i mean i think even by 18 months like it's really not as much of a suffocation hazard but um i think the scary part with crib bumpers is like i got crib bumpers at my at my shower from some of the older women because it was just i'm sure they had crib bumpers on my crib it's just what we used yeah so yeah i think it's Mm -hmm. gonna like i was just saying to my husband we were talking about it and he was like it's great that they did this legislation but you know how long is it going to take for you know all the products that people have already bought to finally like not be in use anymore it's going to take years decades decades a hundred percent because and and there will always be there will always be handmade bedding always Mm -hmm. it's one of the most common i mean like i'm knitting someone a baby blanket right now like it's just stuff that people make by hand so yeah it's you know (laughs) use your judgment (laughs) yes yes and i don't want to shame anyone for whatever they've done right and yeah we always say when you know better you do better and everybody Mm -hmm. has their own way of parenting but I think this legislation specifically for the inclined sleepers is like a huge step in the right direction. And did Mm -hmm. you also see on the news that they have, they think that they have identified what causes SIDS in some babies? (gasps) It's okay. That's amazing. I'm not prepared to completely talk about this because it's not Uh quite on topic, but if you go Google it, it's some specific like genetic thing or I think or like a gene that um, babies who die of SIDS, like they have like a lower level of something. And, yeah. and it's it's not enough yet where they can develop a test to see like, mm. you know, oh, this baby has low whatever. We really need to watch out for SIDS. But like they have identified that most babies that die of SIDS, there's something, I don't know there's if a it's correlation. like- correlation. Yeah. Chromosomal. Yeah. But there's a correlation and there's like, they're starting to figure out the reason, which is really exciting and interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Because it's like- one of the most terrifying and completely bewildering yep. parts of having a baby, having a you newborn. Just oh, don't goodness. know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So that just made me think of that as well. Um, with you know, baby sleep and and yeah. safety and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. lots of exciting things happening in 2022. <laughs> All right. Woohoo. Hey. <laughs> so I have a I have I have a lot. You got a doozy for me today? I do. I do. So <laughs> so we we were sitting down and talking about the different topics that you know we could cover on the the back half of this season and the one that i brought up a, a while ago i think but that i knew was going to be just so gigantic was was puberty 
and there are so many interesting practices today and historically around the various things that's, that happen to kids' bodies as they become not kids anymore. Mm-hmm. So when we split everything up, I ended up taking periods. And I also did a lot of research into just general coming of age traditions in different cultures and different parts of the world and things like that. And it was it was just some of the things were like, oh, okay, interesting, cool. And some of them were like, no. So you you opened up just, Pandora's box. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my goodness. Um, I feel like there's a box joke in there, but I'm not gonna dig for it. Um so, uh, Anyway, uh, so the very first thing, like just to set the stage, just to kind of like get everybody in the right headspace for this, the very first thing that I learned when I started researching the history of menstruation, the history of periods throughout civilization, was this fun little tidbit about the word taboo, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with this word, maybe mm-hmm. even familiar with the hilarious board game. Yes, we own it. <laughs> the word, yes, me too. Um, the word taboo actually comes from a Polynesian word, tapu, T-A-P-U, which means menstrual flow. So <laughs> the word taboo actually, it's like the original taboo. No. It's a period. So, I don't know if I should be like fascinated and laughing or very very sad right it's very disappointing it's like and and what what you'll see as I discuss this is that like even today we're still fighting the the taboo and the uh shame around periods which is just like it's this is a modern thing this isn't like it's been this way since the beginning at no point in time even today are people like generally celebrating periods? There are a few places on the planet where people do, but like by and large, it's still like a thing we don't talk about. Yeah. Well, have you been following? Because like I'm a big Disney nerd. Have you been following all the stuff going on with Turning Red? I love Turning Red so much. I haven't followed like any of it, but go ahead. Well, parents are up in arms, Jen, about the uh, subject matter of, you know, puberty in girls and the fact that the mom is like, do you need, I think in the movie she says like, do you need a pad or something? Yeah. And like, they don't even talk about what a pad is and they don't ever say period. Yeah. Parents are losing their minds about this movie, that it's inappropriate. And God forbid, they're like, I had to have a talk with my eight-year-old son about what a period is. And it was just so, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I know it's a a real, like people are boycotting Disney over this movie. And Chuck and I watched it with Rini and we were like, this is amazing. It's such a good movie. I so relate to this. Yeah. My kids all love it. I think it's a great, it's great in so many ways. I think the whole, like, the whole point of the movie as, like, this giant metaphor for puberty and menstruation. Yeah. So brilliantly done. And I think it makes the whole thing kind of, like, fun, which it usually isn't. So Yeah. It's a great way to start the conversation. Yes, of course. Like, thanks, Disney. You did a ton of legwork for me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I, I I mean, Disney's killing it with like generational trauma movies lately. And this is another really good example of it. So it's, yes, I'm a big fan. Yes. I think that I actually, what was interesting was 
I find that this is the case with any any sort of like research that I do on any topic is that because we are in America and because we use Google and because we speak English, what is actually available to me in terms of the information I find is kind of limited to that scope. So I found a lot of stuff on like America and Europe and even India and the Middle East and Africa, but like nothing on Asian traditions and and things or like just one or two things. Whereas there was a ton of stuff on like ancient Rome and Egypt. There's a lot, it's much more centric to that Mm -hmm. region, to those regions. So it was just interesting to me how like there are for sure really deep old traditions around puberty and coming of age in Asia, but I don't have access to those things because right. of where I am and what I speak. So it's just just an interesting blip uh, in terms of how the internet works. <laughs> we'll start off in ancient Egypt where so many things start because that's where the record of written history begins. There is evidence that in ancient Egypt, they made tampons. So like from the get-go, tampons existed. Wow. Um, it's like the very first thing that we know about. In ancient Egypt, there is evidence that they made tampons out of softened papyrus. So that is what they wrote on, and women were like, "I, I got to take care of this." So they made tampons out of papyrus. Woohoo! Way to go, ladies! Good job. <laughs> so yes. So then, in ancient Greece, Hippocrates wrote that people would also make tampons out of bits of wood that they wrapped in lint. So okay, terrifying, but. Very resourceful. Dicey, dangerous, <laughs> but okay. Painful. Um, and also something that we still do today, like a lot of things we've been doing forever and we still do them. I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld, but they <laughs> women in ancient Greece used sponges from the sea. Ah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. And the other thing that uh, – that there's evidence of from ancient Greece is that like wherever periods existed, there was one, the the women trying to figure out how to like manage them. And two, men writing about what periods did, good or bad. <laughs> and so in so in, in Greece, <laughs> it was believed that period blood could be used to as a treatment for sagging skin. So people would take period blood and wipe it on like their their thighs or their boobs. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. This is this is gonna be a really gross episode. There's a lot of gross stuff in here. Nobody can see the faces I'm making, but <laughs> whoa. Yeah, it's just it's. I'm sorry if you don't like talking about periods. This not this episode is not for you. No, <laughs> I have get no, out of here. I have no trouble talking about periods. Wiping mm-hmm. any bodily fluid on me though is like mm-hmm. no, thank you. I know. So, well, people like people had different, um, like thresholds of disgusting because they didn't bathe. You know, like everything yeah. was, you know, like everything Fair. was gross all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So Hippocrates, ancient Greece, right? But then we'll go over to ancient Rome to see what Pliny the Elder had to say about oh, periods. I can't wait for Pliny. <laughs> he had so many opinions about so many things, and his his period perspectives were very good. <laughs> all right, so. He wrote that he believed period blood could destroy crops, control the weather, sour wine, make dogs rabid. <laughs> but the most the most interesting thing he he felt that it could do is that it would ensure a woman's fidelity. 
if you drank her menstrual blood. <laughs> if, the, if the husband drank it? If the man drank it, it would ensure her fidelity to the man. You think he tested that out himself? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think he just prescribed things to people. So he was like, if you want her to be yours forever, you must drink her period blood. <laughs> Gross. Thanks, Pliny. Awesome work. <laughs> our period blood could do all. No wonder men have always been scared for women to be in power. Yep. Because they think we're like a magic. We're gods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are freaking gods. And. Wow. So, I wish I could control oh, the weather. Right? It would be amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So then we'll move forward a little bit in time. Between the 5th and 15th century, so medieval um, times, women primarily used rags while they were on their periods, which is where we get the term on the rag. Mm-hmm. Um, it originated in medieval times, very interestingly. I thought it was a modern phrase. Nope. Many religions during this time saw menstruation as shameful and dirty, as many people generally did, but religion yeah. really like took hold of this in a way that only religion can. Of course. Um, so the church even saw it as a reminder of Eve and her, her original sin. So the eye roll that I am doing. <laughs> Sorry, go because on. Because of that, the church felt that women getting their periods was like a form of justified punishment. And so women were not allowed to have any sort of pain management and the church would specifically hold, withhold herbs and things that they would normally give people as treatments for pain and they wouldn't give them to women who had their periods because they'd be like, no, this is, this is your punishment because you are a daughter of Eve. <laughs> so, way to go, church. Like, <laughs> come on. I know. Just like, I don't know. The church is funny. Yes. Funny is one word for it. <laughs> All right. So then, okay. So then there was the the common belief during that time that blood held toxins and excesses from your body. And so the way to exhume those things from your body was through like bloodletting, right? That mm-hmm. was like a really common practice. So they thought, well, a woman's body is expelling this blood every single month. It's because a woman has like all these toxins in her. And it's like, so don't touch the period blood. Don't go near a woman when she's on her period because like it's, it's toxic and dangerous and yucky and stay away from them. So it was just, you know, like stigma, 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 blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Hooray. Oh, terrible. (laughs) Another really interesting thing from that period of time, that very big period of time was that frogs were a cure-all at the time. Like frogs? Frogs. So like like we've talked about this before where like animal parts and things were like oh. used as cures for different things. And so frogs were really big for any sort of like, I mean, for anything, it was a cure-all. It was just like, oh, boil this frog or um, take this frog carcass and put it under your pillow and, you know, so different things like that. And so for... A woman who is having cramps, you would cook a frog and then take its ashes and smear them on your abdomen. Or you could or you could cook a frog down into a powder and ingest the powder. And that apparently also could help with your cramps. So yum. Oh, I am so glad I live in the age of, of right? like, you know, ibuprofen and Lidol. <laughs> puts everything into perspective. It's so good. So then finally, in 1822, that's when the word period was first coined. Uh, I didn't do a lot of, I didn't do any research at all into that 
and to like where that word originated from, like the etymology of the word. Hmm, um, I wonder. So yeah, it's something. What did they call it before then? Menstruation. I think so. Okay. It's just yeah, um, or or <laughs> I don't know. I actually men- that's a men- really good question. Mensi, right? Men- I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, I'm sure there were all manner of things that they like. I'm sure there were like innuendos for it because people didn't want to like oh you, it, it was taboo, taboo to taboo. say the word. So it was like yeah so a woman is in her sensitive time or she's unclean right now yeah, yeah so it's like that kind of stuff so Ugh. you know because we're just children so then in the 1850s just like the history of diapers right women wore garments made of rubber that were lined with flannel or cotton to keep clothes and furniture from being stained. Mm-hmm. So it would allow them to actually like go about their daily lives like normal and, you know, not inadvertently destroy things. So, um, <laughs> and then in 1896, that's when the first modern style pad is created. It was created by Dr. Joseph Lister. He is actually the founder of sterile surgery. So, whoa. Yeah. So he did a lot of very cool, interesting things and also created pads for women. Unfortunately, periods were still so taboo that they just failed. Like he couldn't sell them because oh, nobody wanted didn't to want to go out to the store. Yeah. Um, so, so he, the work that he did eventually inspired the creation of the company Johnson and Johnson's. And so in 1920, during World War I, French nurses on the battlefield started using cellulose bandages as pads. And because they did that, companies like Kotex and Johnson & Johnson saw that use and went, oh, okay, we've got to do this thing. So Johnson & Johnson reintroduced Listers, but they they like rebranded it and put it into a very discreet box that gave you no idea what was inside of it. And so women were sort of all, you know, let in on what these very discreet boxes were. And you could go into a department store and leave a nickel on the counter and grab one of the boxes and just walk out. And you wouldn't have to like ask for it. You wouldn't have to talk to anybody. It was just like put down my nickel, take my box, and leave. And they were wow. like, and they sold like crazy. But it was like it had to be done so secretly because heaven forbid women's bodies do what they just naturally do to produce life. So <laughs> so silly. The other thing that I wanted to mention, there's a couple things in here that. I want to be careful when I when I talk about them because they sound really wild to us, but they're, they're some of them are just like cultural differences that like mm-hmm. we don't understand because we live in the time and place that we live in. But a lot of them are like outlawed today, so I sort of feel kind of okay judging them. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, so one example that I had heard about before I even started doing any research, I forget where I read about this it was a long time ago, and I remember being like appalled is the the use of what are known in English as menstruation huts. And there are a couple different mm, civilizations across the planet. The the most well-known ones are in Ethiopia and Nepal where menstruating women have to be isolated. Like if you are menstruating, you have to go sit in the menstruation hut. Like it is separate from your house. You have to stay inside of it. It has no windows. It has like a little tiny door. And the reason why they are now outlawed is because 
they were like truly horrible conditions. And it led to a lot of women's deaths because you you would die from exposure, dehydration, snake bites, like all sorts of things because you couldn't leave the hut. And if you were in there by yourself, you couldn't like get help that you needed, you know, so. Oh, my God. Yeah. So now they're not allowed anymore. <laughs> no, they should not be. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like people really are like, yeah, like almost fearful of periods and want to keep women who are having them or anyone who's having them for that matter yes. as far away from them as humanly possible. <laughs> and so, yes. I feel like, well, I mean, I'm sure you'll get to present day, so I won't. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even today, it's nothing yes. has changed in that department. Yes. So so at this point, I then stopped because I was like, okay, the, from from this point on, like the, the history basically goes like, okay, we made better and better pads. We made better and better tampons, but people still are made to feel like their period is a shameful thing. Like that's the, that's the modern history of periods and menstruation. So yeah, that's the wild, bizarre, wow. wacky history of menstruation. <laughs> Not much has changed, but you know, here we are. Yes. God. Still feeling the stigma. Yeah. Yep. yep. You know, I, it's interesting because as a voice teacher, when you're on your period, your your vocal folds, because of your hormones, can actually get thicker. It's kind of like when you're pregnant too, and your yeah, voice yeah, your sing. voice gets lower. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I know from when I sing, like the first, like the day before I get my period, and like the first day or two of my period, my mm-hmm. everything just feels weird. Like yeah. my your cords are a little like in, like swollen, and I can sometimes tell when my younger students are starting to get mm-hmm. their periods. Sometimes they'll come into a lesson and be like, "Oh, it feels weird. Like my voice is just like weird today." And then like I'll just be like. I just want to ask you, you know, like, are you, are you on your period? And some of them are like totally fine. And some of them are like beet red, don't want to talk to me about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want to teach you like that it's normal and this is going to happen and you got to work through it. But it's, it's so interesting to see like how people react. And then I think they, when they see me talk about it really normally, like, and not weird about it, then they kind of like open up and it's no big deal. Yeah. But it's just, that's a great service you're providing. Oh, well. (laughs) Although like, get ready. Cause one day you're going to have some nutty parent who's like, I know, I know. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. (sighs) But listen, it's all from an anatomy for me, like anatomy perspective, but yeah, Mm -hmm. totally that could happen. I used to record a lot of training videos for work. And I recorded like an entire like hours and hours and hours of of material on basically how like our entire platform worked. And I did it before I got pregnant. And then I got pregnant and our platform changed a whole bunch and I needed to re-record several sections. And I cannot possibly hope to express how frustrating it was that I couldn't get myself to sound like I no. <laughs> recorded it the first time. It was like two different voices. It was awful. Yeah. You know, um, not that we're going to way off topic, but uh, <laughs> Kristen Bell, when she was recording mm-hmm. the voice of Anna, had to re-record a bunch of her vocals because Ugh. she was pregnant and she her voice got so deep that it yeah. didn't sound like the rest of the Yep. Of the songs. Oh my gosh. It's interesting. Yeah. Voices and bodies are yeah. really amazing. Well, so, oh, so yeah. That's my 
It's my period stuff. Great job. We love periods. Let's hear it <laughs> Yay, for periods. periods. <laughs> Got mine right now. Yeah, me too. Synced oh, <laughs> up. Synced up from miles away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> So you can find us online in many places. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are always at OPDW Podcast. You can send us email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us a review on whatever podcast listening platform you use, we're always thrilled to get those. They really help people find the show and they just fill our hearts with so much love. Yes, and our music is by Theo Rosenberg. So thank you, Theo. Thank you, Theo. Okay, Jen, until next time. There are better ways to ensure a lasting relationship than to spike your lover's drink with your Aunt Flo. Flo.